0: Let's give God a word of praise tonight, amen. Amen. Man, what a sweet sense of the presence of God tonight. Man, I'm ready to preach. Let's go. Let's go. Man, I was thankful, though. I got to say, I was thankful for the last few weeks. I'm so stinking thankful for the team we have here at Coastal. I mean, God has blessed us with some incredibly gifted people, amen. Yeah. <clears throat> thankful a couple weeks ago Brett brought the word and then last week Alex and James brought the word. And did you know that last Sunday at Yarmouth Wesleyan in Coastal that there was three different preachers 22 years of age or younger. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that like I'm just thankful that as a family of churches across our network that We really believe in being multiplication obsessed. Like, we want to multiply. It's not just about one personality, that in the body of Christ, we believe that God wants to raise up a generation of people to actually bring transformation to Southwest Nova. Amen? And God is raising up people and equipping people. And I just am excited for the destiny that God has for these uh, 22, 21-year-olds. Because I believe they're going to change the world. So it was really cool to kind of be this morning at Yarmouth Wesleyan, and uh, you guys all know this guy named Brett Smith, do you? Some of y'all do. He's a true bred Cape Islander, and uh, he's a pastor at uh, Yarmouth West. For those of you guys that don't know, he's Trevor and Candy's son, and uh, it's really cool. I've watched Brett's journey since he was a teenager and watched God unfold his call in his life, and seeing him up on stage this morning at Yarmouth West, man, I was proud as a pumpkin, I gotta say. like. Just so stinking proud of this guy serving Jesus and, and, and kind of loving on him. And he preached last week, and Alex and James kind of preached last week on Romans chapter 12. And so we're going to kind of jump back into Romans chapter 12 here um, here tonight. And let me just kind of bring you up to speed a little bit, kind of on the book of Romans and where we're going to go tonight. The book of Romans, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is really Paul explaining his theology about the gospel. It's basically unpacking what Christ has done on our behalf and how we're actually made right with God. How we actually have peace with God. How Jesus actually broke the power of sin and while we wrestle, there's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so Paul unpacks in his first 11 chapters of the book of Romans all that Christ has done on our behalf. And in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it starts off with this word. Does anyone know what it is? Therefore, that's right, you got it. Bonus points for you guys. Therefore, and in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, there's a pivot or a hinge that actually shifts from this is what Christ has done on your behalf into this is now how you ought to live in light of all that Jesus has done on our behalf, which is a lot. So it actually, in light of what God has done for us, we've been enabled to do certain things. Like spiritual gifts. As you kind of jump in through Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul talks about spiritual gifts and how we're supposed to use them with one another. And then Paul, the very first thing that Paul talks about post this 11 amazing chapters on the gospel is actually how we're actually supposed to do life together and how we're supposed to actually relate with the world. The very first thing that Paul talks about post his 11 chapters on the gospel, is how we're supposed to do relationship with one another and how we're supposed to actually do relationships with the world. I dare say that relationships are pretty important. Have you ever thought about this? Do you realize that God himself is actually a relationship? He's Father, he's Son, he's Holy Spirit. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have the most intimate, loving relationship in the universe. And we're made in his image. So would you say that we're supposed to have relationships if we're made in the image of God? Yeah. And so the very first thing Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12 is relationships. It's, it's relationships in the church, in relationships outside the church. Can you say in? Can you say In? There you go. And out. As we jump into Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, we're going to talk about relationships in the church and outside of the church. And here's the deal. Paul was dealing with tensions within the church. As you know, and has been mentioned multiple times as we work through Romans, but just as a little bit of a refresher, the Jews had come home. They were exiled out of Rome for five years, and so the Jewish Christians that came back to Rome came back to a church that was now Gentile-run. Remember the story I told you about how there was a Gentile worship leader now? There was no longer a Jewish worship leader. Someone took his job when he left. There was a head—I'm I'm joking, by the way, right? Okay? <laughs> there was like a, a head trustee and board members, and all these Jews used to be these prominent members in the church, and then the emperor's like, you gotta Go! So they kicked them out of Rome and Gentiles, naturally, rose up into the positions that God had called them to lead and orchestrate. And the Jews come back and find their church not so Jewish anymore. And so there's this tension between Jews and Gentiles. But Paul, missionally, in order for this church to reach its maximum effectiveness, he needs these two sides, these two teams, to come together as one to be a force for the kingdom. You tracking? And so Paul has to speak into issues in the church here in Romans chapter 12. And this really is one of his first opportunities because he needed to spend 11 chapters to actually lay out his theology of the gospel for the church in Rome. And so in one of Paul's first opportunities in the book of Romans 12, he talks about how we're actually supposed to do relationships. And it's really hard to do relationships in a polarized culture. I mean, the Roman culture at the time, Rome was evil. There was all kinds of bad practices at the time. And there was pressure from the community that the Roman church was in to conform to the patterns of the world. That's why Paul said that. Because in the times of the church in Rome, Caesar was Lord. And it was very anti-Jesus and hostile, and so the church needed help to figure out how do we actually relate to the world? How do we be in the world and not of it? How do we walk this tight line that God has called us to walk? You know, we're in the church in 2022. How many know it's hard to be the church in 2022 in Canada? Because... Here's the deal. God has actually called the church to be for the poor and marginalized and oppressed, to be a voice for the voiceless and stand up for justice. Those are things, all things that Jesus did. But at the same time, Jesus has called us to be scripture-rooted and be governed by what the scripture says. And believe it or not, in 2022, being governed by the scripture but also standing for the cause of justice is actually radical. It's not over here to the right, in the, the ditch of the right. It's not in the ditch to the left. It's this tightrope in the way of Jesus. And that's really, really hard. And so Paul gives these words as direction to teach us as a church, how do we be in the world and connect and be a light to those outside the walls of the church? Here's the deal, church. We're going to actually work through all these verses here today. And I don't know if some of y'all wore sandals. Alex did. But I just want to give you a heads up. I don't hardly ever preach sermons like this, but I just want to give you a heads up. Y'all might get your toes stepped on tonight. So just FYI, you might want to just curl those suckers up a little bit here. So, So are you ready? You don't sound very ready. Ready or not, here we go, all right? Here we go. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I roll pay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, as we dive into this passage for a few minutes, there's going to be some things that we hit that's going to speak to relationships in the church. So, Coastal Church, how we actually do relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ that are in this room. There's, some, there's going to be some in conversations. But then there's going to be some out conversations with how we do relationships with people outside the walls of the church. So, you're tracking with that? So, in? Say in. In out. All right. So, here we go. Love must be... Sincere. How many of you know that God actually wants us to be authentic? He wants us to be real and genuine. One of my mentors, you guys remember Mike McNeil, who spoke here for maybe those of you that don't know. He's a professor at Kingswood. He's a mentor of mine. He says this line. He said, what's in our heart and what's in our face need to match. David said it this way. He said, God, you desire honesty from the inward parts. I'm convinced that a lot of us actually fake loving people. And that's a lot of work. But I believe that we struggle with actually showing sincere love. And I believe a lot of us, what's in our face and what's in our heart is really, really different. And as a result, a lot of us go around throughout our day wearing a mask. And I'm not talking about a medical mask. You know what kind of mask I'm talking about, right? Because we don't want people to see what's really in our heart towards them. And we know the expectation, especially in Canada, is to be nice. Like, Canadians are known to be really nice people, right? Maybe not, I guess. (laughs) You guys okay? And so we know that we're supposed to be nice, so we say really nice things to people, to their face. And we smile. But in our hearts, we're like, man, I hate that guy. Would he just go get a life right now? We're like critical of them in our hearts. Like how many times have we had conversations with people, and we talk nice, and we say nice things, but in our hearts, we don't really care for them. We're critical, or we're annoyed. And then we come home, we wear that all day with people that we rub shoulders with. They come home, we're absolutely exhausted. I'm here to tell you that there's actually a better way. There's a better way to do life. Are you ready for it? It's actually, genuinely, really loving people from the heart. And the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 5 that the Holy Spirit wants to pour the love of God into your heart so you can actually love people with his love. When God pours his love into your heart, he gives you the resource to be able to love people with his love. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to fake it. God has given us the resource through Jesus to love one another sincerely. So it's time we throw the mask away, right? And start loving sincerely because God wants you to be the same person in private when you're talking by yourself or when you're talking with someone else behind closed doors. He wants you to be the exact same person in private as you are in public. Amen? But how many of us in this room honestly struggle with having our heart and our face match? I think the Jews and Romans, uh, the Jews and Gentiles struggle with this. They got back, the Jews got back, and they're back into their church, and they're hanging out with the Gentiles at a service just much like this. And, you know, I'm sure they probably, you know, shared the Lord's Supper together, which would have been like a full-blown meal. And they're having, like, potlucks what, like we are. And the Jews and Gentiles, they're being cordial. They're talking to one another, having a conversation. How's the wife? How's the kids? So on and so forth. But then once they get off by themselves, and the Jews get into their fraction, and the Gentiles get in their fraction, they're like, man, that Gentile guy. He stole all the bean dip. But seriously, they would have been tempted, and probably likely did, because that's probably why Paul spoke into it, to actually have divisions behind closed doors, and not actually love them sincerely. That's why Paul says, stop faking it. Love one another sincerely. We're actually supposed to hate that malicious behavior. We're just supposed to despise it. You know, did you realize... That God has actually given you permission as a Christian to hate? What does the scripture say here? Hate what is what? Evil. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Can I just give you permission as one of your pastors here tonight, church? You need to hear this. You do not have to be okay with everything that happens in culture in 2022. Because culture and even the government is not your God or your authority. You know what your authority is? It's the Word of God. There's things that are happening in our Canadian culture in 2022 where you can actually hate what is evil. Now, let me just give this a little caveat, though. Because later on in the Scripture, it actually says for us to be careful how we live in the world. Just because we hate what is evil in the culture in 2022 does not give us a license to spam Facebook with all of our attitudes and opinions about what's wrong in the culture in 2022. Because oftentimes what happens when we do that, people know that we follow Jesus and it actually hinders our witness to people. So church, I'm just cautioning you as one of your pastors to just... Be careful. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We talked a little in, we talked a little out. Let's talk in again. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Church, I think we tend to keep people at arm's distance. We don't let people too close to our hearts and We kind of like, we don't want people to see what's really happening in our hearts and our lives, because maybe it's messy, or maybe we don't want to get involved in someone else's mess. So we kind of tend to manage people, or be political, or keep people at arm's distance, but don't really get people, let people see what's actually inside of our hearts. And therefore, as a result, we actually don't really honor people from the heart. We just give them lip service. It's kind of what the Pharisees did with God. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, called them whitewashed tombs, because they were wearing masks. Jesus said, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You guys look great on the inside, but inside there's a bunch of dead man's bones. You honor me with your lips, Jesus said, but your hearts are far from me. And I think sometimes we say really, really nice things to people, but our hearts are really far from the people we interact with. We don't really care about that other person. Sometimes that other person that's in this room right now. And Paul's saying to the Jews and the Gentiles. You can't do that. You've actually really got to love them. You've actually really got to be committed to them. You've actually really got to honor them from your heart. And that's really hard to do with someone that sees the world differently than me, right? That's really hard to do with someone with different perspectives and different ideas. It's hard to honor those people because it's challenging and extra grace is required. And it's really challenging because before all this happened the last two years, we had a little more grace. I mean, doesn't it feel like we've been like holding on and clenching and, you know, I was, you know, talking to a pastor friend of mine and he's like, man, like, like I I, kind of feel like a little bit like, and this is like no joke, like legitimately traumatized about leading through the last couple years. Like legit trauma. It's been really hard. And so we've kind of done this for so much that our cup of grace that we had for bumps in the road has kind of gone out the window. And we have so little grace for bumps in the road now. And in particular, we don't have any grace for bumps in the road in our relationships. But we need it, right? We need grace for one another, right? And so Jesus actually calls us back to an intensity in our spiritual life, back to a place of passion for Jesus and pursuing him with all of our hearts so we actually can get the grace necessary to love our families and our workers and the people we rub shoulders with every single day. The Bible says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. There's people in our lives that there's extra grace required, okay? They come in our lives all the time. Frankly, I've probably been one of them. You're like, you see me walk in the room, you're like, Lord, give me strength. But we have those people that come in our lives, and frankly, if we're really honest, we've all been the extra grace people. At one point in time in our lives... Maybe more so than not. We've been the extra grace people where we've been the people where extra grace is required. But listen, you can't get the extra grace required any other way than from Jesus. Cause he is the source of grace, amen. He's the one who gives us what we need for every single relationship. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, He has given us all things for life and godliness according to our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and virtue. He has given us everything we need for all of our relationships. But the only way to get that grace to love people in this church and outside the church the way that God has called us to, we got to go to Him. We've got to have this intensity and love for him, and it's in those moments that God pours his grace into our lives. Because if you don't have that, you'll start to get really, really, really negative about people. You'll start complaining about people. You'll find, if you record yourself over a span of three days, that most of your conversation is being negative about people. And sometimes you can be negative about people in the church. And sometimes that negativity about people leads you to have a negative perspective about the church. I was sharing this this morning at Yarmouth Wesley, and it's a little different for us here at Coastal because we're only two and a half years old. But I said this to a 73-year-old church about us having a negative attitude towards the church, and everyone was like, ooh, Because over time, we can develop a negativity because we're negative about people. And we lose God's perspective for this beautiful, awesome, amazing thing that Jesus created called the church. And God's perspective about the church is he is incredibly optimistic and he commands us to be joyful in hope. I mean, just think about this for a second. The church in Rome probably started by a bunch of Jewish people with Gentiles mixed in. The Romans kick out the Jews for five years. But then all of a sudden, all these brothers and sisters, we don't know how many dozen or how many hundred of them came back to the church in Rome, but they came back. Imagine if that happened here at Coastal. We had a bunch of families and (laughs) the Premier or the Prime Minister says, all right, half y'all, you got to go. We're sending you on to the Tuscan Islands or something. But then five years later, you all come back. Man, what a shot in the arm. Yes, there's divisions and things that you got to be worked out, but the big picture is we're winning. we got more forces for the kingdom. And there were good stuff happening in the time in Rome. I mean, I'm sure people were getting saved and baptized and being discipled and, and, and lives are being changed. But it's so easy to get just so negative in our thinking and focused on negative things and not have the big picture in mind. Amen? That's why Paul says to be joyful in hope. God is incredibly optimistic about your future. And God is incredibly optimistic about our future here as Coastal Church. Amen? You're not convinced, I can see. I'll do some more convincing. God is incredibly optimistic about your future. You as an individual, because he has an amazing plan for your life if you'll yield to his will. And God is incredibly optimistic about the future he has for Coastal Church and this whole Southwest Nova network, amen? Amen, Amen. Amen. that's better church, let's go. So be joyful in hope, but you also have to be patient in affliction. The Lord told me tonight as I was working through this verse, and this was for all four services, The Lord was like, there's people in these that you're going to speak to today that are being afflicted with something, and I want you to speak to them. I'm just here to tell you, I don't know what your affliction is. I just had the sense that some of it is actually physical, medical. You have an affliction, and the doctor maybe said, like, yeah, you're just going to have to live with this. Or maybe it's a mental issue that you're having. You just can't seem to get past it. Maybe it's a relational conflict, and and afflictions are kind of like these nasty things that, like, they're, they tend to always be the default thing in our head, and it's just so hard to get through them. And sometimes afflictions are, there's problems to solve. We have an affliction, and it's temporary, and God kind of directs us, or we get direction with how to deal with a problem, and we go to the problem and fix it. Those are the good kinds of afflictions. The bad kinds of afflictions are the ones that just seem, don't seem to go away. And the word from the scriptures here today for you that are facing this affliction is this. Just be patient in the affliction. Wait on the Lord. And the Bible promises in Isaiah chapter 40 that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not go faint. God promises to renew your strength. To give you the divine resource that you need to push through that affliction. So wait on the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. And be faithful in prayer. You know, I think the thing that ties this whole passage together and helps us, <laughs> helps us figure out how to do relationships in the church and how to do relationships outside the church and we can't do this without this last thing. Like we can't do, I can't do relationships in the church without the thing I'm about to say. And I can't do relationships outside the church without the thing that I'm about to say that Paul commands. Be faithful in what? Prayer. If, if we don't pray and whisper the names of people inside this church to the Father and whisper the names of people outside the church to the Father there's no hope. I mean, if we don't pray, we may as well pack it in. Because we can't do this without Jesus, amen? It's way too hard to do without Jesus. And, and you know, God wants us to be faithful in prayer to pray for the people that rub us the wrong way within the church. There's people that you're just not going to see eye to eye with. Your personalities are going to be different. But God wants you to pray for them and not complain about them. For that person that rubs you the wrong way, do you spend more time praying about them or complaining about them? Or for that person in the community that maybe you had a little spat with or you tend to always have conflict with them or it could be a group of people, do you complain more about them or pray more about them? And what would happen if you turned every time you have a desire to complain about that person to someone else, you actually turned it into a prayer. Lord, (gasps) help them. Bless them. Help them, Father, to see the way you see. Help them to know your love. What would happen to your heart if you just began to pray for those people that are rubbing you the wrong way every single day? Well, I can tell you one thing that would start to happen. God would actually start giving you his heart for that person and it would be, it'll be way, way easier to actually see them through God's eyes. And what will likely end up happening is as you begin to pray for that person, either in the church or outside the church, the Spirit will likely use you to be an answer to your own prayer. So maybe you're like, I'm not praying that in that case. Woo, no way. Don't want to do anything for that person. Hold it. Just chill. Pray for those people. And God will begin to show you the needs that those person has. Maybe that person rubs you the wrong way because there's actually needs in their life that you see and can identify and God actually wants you to use you to help them lovingly and graciously with their issues. Have you ever thought of that? Share with the Lord's people who are in need. When you pray for someone, you can see what their needs are. Practice hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. It's really hard to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn when you're not inviting people into your space. Practicing hospitality isn't optional. It's actually a command. It's not one of those ones where are like, Lord, I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> nope. There's two words here. Practice hospitality. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, there's few things that put the kibosh on relationships than pride and arrogance. How many of you guys, let me ask a little poll here. How many of you want to hang out with someone that is proud and arrogant? All right, we got one person. Awesome. He's the missionary to the proud and arrogant right here. Let's go. Let's go. He's loving like Jesus, man. But honestly, like, there's something about that relationally, we're like, Ugh. right? Do not be proud. Now here's a word. We're going to land the plane here in a second. Invite the worship team to come. There's a word here on outside the church. This is one that, as someone that has like a real passion for reaching the lost people, this is one that is just like a real passion of mine. Like we have to be so careful of our witness to the community for Jesus. It's really, really complex and it's really, really complicated, but we have to be careful. And this is why Paul says, Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love how that says, Be careful to do what is right. Church, we've got to be careful. The Bible says to not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think we have been overcome by the evil of our age. And God doesn't want us to be the overcomed. He wants us to be overcomers. And he wants to change our mentality. To not just be on the losing side all the time as the church. But God has actually made us to be a victorious church. And he wants to change our mindset to being always on the losing end of things. To rising in the victory of Christ. And being a force for his kingdom. Amen. I celebrate that this fall... October 2nd to 8th. Churches from all across Atlantic Canada who have refused to say no to the evil of our age and what we've been through over the last season of our lives. And we're uniting as a church and we're going to love all over Atlantic Canada in Jesus' name as we celebrate Love Atlantic. That is going to be awesome. And a lot of people are going to be blessed in particular outside the walls of the church. That's what it looks like to not be overcome by evil but to overcome evil with good. So what do you do with Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21? How do you, like, actually do something with what we talked about tonight? Well, there's three calls here in this passage of Scripture. The first call is an old word that we maybe don't like very much, and it's a call to repent. Repent just means to change your perspective. It's to admit that God's opinion and attitude on something is right and we're wrong. So maybe it was that thing when I talked about the mask and wearing a mask. The Holy Spirit was like, I love you, but that's you. You've been wearing a mask. And you're like, ooh, you got me, Lord. Repentance, just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for that attitude. Or maybe it's someone in the community that you burned a bridge with. And the Holy Spirit's bringing that to your mind, like, oh, man, I misrepresented Jesus. Lord, would you forgive me? Or maybe it's keeping people at arm's distance. I don't know what it is, but I know one thing. Experiencing the grace of God starts when we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, and God lifts us up. So there's a call to repent here tonight. There's also a call to receive. We need to open our hearts to God. And receive his love to be able to love people the way God has called us to love. And it's awesome. Like it is awesome loving people with the love of God. It doesn't get much better. Honest to goodness. But there's times when extra grace is required and maybe tonight is a chance for you to say, Lord, there's people in my life every single day that rub me the wrong way. But I know. That you want to give me the grace to love them like you love them. And so maybe that's your call tonight. Or maybe tonight your call is to respond. Maybe it's actually throwing away the mask and saying, Lord, from this moment on, I'm not living that way anymore. Maybe that's your call. Maybe your call is actually to invite someone into your space that you don't see eye to eye with or that rubs you the wrong way. I dare you to invite someone into your home that maybe you wouldn't normally do it. Maybe that's your call. Church, we're all longing for relationships. And I can tell you something, people that don't have Jesus are longing for relationships. And we literally have access to the greatest relationship in the world and Jesus gives us the resources to be able to do relationships right. One of the things that captivated my attention as someone that wasn't a Christian, I saw the way Christians loved one another and I said, I gotta get me some of that. And there's all kinds of people in our community here in Barrington and beyond that are longing for real, authentic, loving relationships. And when they see it, they're like, I can't really explain it, but I really need what you guys have. And that church will be an opportunity to say, let me introduce you to Jesus. Father, thank you for tonight and for the sense of your Holy Spirit here. And we just pray that you'd fall in this place, that you convict us in areas we need to change. In my own life, Jesus, would you help me to repent, receive, and respond to what you want to do in my life? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet.